welcome back to Trek Untold, the Star Trek podcast that goes beyond the stars. I am your host, Matthew Kaplowitz. And today it's time for a Strange New World debriefing. This week we're talking about episode 6 from season 2 of Strange New Worlds, titled Lost in Translation. And later on, we're going to be joined by two special guests for this episode. We're going to be having Bruce Horak coming back as Hemmer, telling us all about his time reprising that character. And later on, we're going to be joined by Kirk himself. Paul Wesley is going to come on the show and talk about this episode of Strange New Worlds, as well as his time on board the Enterprise as a whole. So stick around. You do not want to miss those interviews. But first things first, let's talk about this episode. And I feel like I'm a broken record when I say this, but it's just such a good episode. Like, there have not been bad episodes at all of Strange New Worlds in Season 1 or even in Season 2 so far. I could say that some episodes have been better than others, and that'd be true, but it's really like the difference between a very, very good thing versus a very, 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 very good thing. So it's like degrees of excellence, which is a very wonderful thing to have with a Star Trek show. So what I wasn't expecting from Lost in Translation was for it to be almost like a horror story in some ways, because it starts out as that, it does eventually evolve into something else, but, you know, again, I don't watch the trailers, I don't watch the teasers for the episodes that are coming up, I want to be surprised. And when I saw Zombie Hemmer pop up, I was like, what the heck is happening? How is this here? What's going on? Is Hemmer back as an undead demon ghost? So yeah, I had a lot of questions, and of course, as time went on, we got answers to them, but wow, I gotta tell you, the first time I did see Hemmer back, I was like, oh my god, that's scary. And number two, uh, is it actually Bruce Horak under that outfit? So that got me thinking, because I was like, you know, is this all we're going to see of him? Is there more of him? Um, but yeah, it was just really fun seeing him back in that kind of zombified way. But the crux of this episode is not entirely about Hammer. It is actually a Celia Rose Gooding episode. And not only that, this is an Ahura episode with Kirk. This is an Ahura and Kirk adventure, because Paul Wesley is back on the Enterprise, you guys. So we saw him in episode three, tomorrow and tomorrow and tomorrow. But that was still an alternate timeline Kirk. And while, yes, we had like 30 seconds of him in the prime timeline talking to Lon on his like little pad device or whatever, you know, I don't really count that because he wasn't really saying much of value for that, you know, for the character to really let you know who he is. Whereas in Lost in Translation, this is it. This is Kirk. And I'm going to go on my soapbox here for a minute, but yeah, I say that with confidence because this is Kirk. So I said for episode three, a lot of the haters are going to probably be quieted down. And I feel like by episode six, if they're still not quiet, then I don't know what they want besides just seeing Shatner from the uniform again. Paul Wesley as Kirk has the charm, the charisma, but more so he shows off a lot more of the intelligence that we know Kirk has that a lot of folks I feel like don't remember that he had. There's such a stereotype and bias for who Kirk is meant to be or who he should be according to the fans that I think they kind of lose sight of a lot of elements of who Kirk truly is. And I think Paul Wesley has brought a lot of that here with him. And yes, there are some Shatnerisms mixed into things here, but they're very, very subtle, thankfully. And he is interpreting the character in his own way. But again, I don't say it like it's a bad thing. It's not a dangerous thing that he's straying from tradition. He is taking the character and making it his own while still honoring the roots of Star Trek and being within the Star Trek world. I really think he did excellently here in this one. And, you know, I was really excited for folks to see episode three to see more of him in action. But here in episode six, I mean, man, he nailed this one. He absolutely nailed it. And seeing him with Ahura for the very first time also, that's, I think, a pretty important story to tell here. And, you know, maybe one that a lot of us didn't really think about seeing before. But let's keep in mind. This actually is the first meeting between Kirk and Ahura. And of course, it goes like where she thinks that he's hitting on her, but in this case, he's not. There actually is some mutual respect here. And that's pretty nice because that means that Kirk isn't always a horn dog. He's not always going to be going to the horny brig. He actually is trying to solve a problem here, and he's using his tools to do that. 
Now, while that's happening, also Una and Pelia are aboard another vessel trying to deal with some of the stuff that's going on there with the uh, deuterium, or I forget what it's called, but they're trying to deal with some spacey stuff out there. And it's a lot of fun seeing Rebecca Romaine and Carol Kane together. That right there was also fun because these two are just so antagonistic to each other during the entire episode. But the crux of it does come to a head by the conclusion where both stories do come to a head. That's ultimately that Uhura does figure out what the problem is, and that there's some beings in this area that are being killed off by what's happening with this facility, so they have to blow it up, whatever. But ultimately, yeah, we get to see one more time Bruce Horak as Hammer on the bridge of the Enterprise, which I don't actually remember if he was on the bridge for that episode or not, in, in season one, I don't know if he was there, but there he was on the bridge in the actual real Hammer makeup, giving us a final true farewell. And I get, I get goosebumps even thinking about it right now, because you know when he died in, uh, in, in Stranger World season one, it was rough. Fans hated it. I know for a fact fans hated that they wanted to see him come back. They wanted to see him survive, but he did not. And it was kind of important for Uhura's development. Uh, it just sucks that he had to be the reason why, but it was nice seeing him come back, getting to do more, and I think giving the fans another chance to say goodbye, because we all really, really wanted that. So great seeing him again. And and also, too, it was, it was a good episode because it really was helping Uhura come to terms with his death, but also not just Uhura, but also Una, surprisingly. So Una was still very much grieving, and her way to grieve was to just be angry and mad about it and kind of take it out on Pelia. So it was nice that all these stories kind of came to a head, and really the message at the end of it is very much a kind of sci-fi metaphor for grief and grieving. And I think that's a very important message for sci-fi to address, uh, because it is such a very human thing. So I think they did it in such a great way, you know, not really too heavy-handed at all, kind of just the perfect balance of analog to reality. And so again, another just wonderful standout episode. But I'd love to hear what you think about this one. So hey, hit me up on social media right now if you got some thoughts about Lost in Translation. Go ahead and hit me up on Trek Untold at Instagram, on Twitter, and on Facebook. Or if you're watching this on YouTube, go ahead and write something in the comments below and I will get right back to you. And I'm sure your fellow Trekkies will also get back to you as well. But without further ado, that's my thoughts on the episode. It's time to get thoughts from somebody who was actually there. So we're gonna be talking today, as I mentioned, to two folks here for this one. And we've got, like I said, Kirk himself joining us today on the Strange New Worlds debriefing, and then we're going to follow that up with a chat with Bruce Horak talking to us all about the return, the resurrection of Hemmer. So let's go ahead and get this thing started. Computer, access interview file. Paul Wesley, welcome to the Trek Untold podcast. Thank you, sir. Appreciate you. Thanks for yeah. having me. I'm very excited to spend some time with you today because you have been, as I'm sure you're aware of, one of the hottest topics in the Trek fandom since you first showed up in season one of Stranger <laughs> Worlds. <laughs> and for I'm really thrilled. To for better or for worse, I think for better. We're going to get into that today here, but I want to take a step back into uh, episode two or three real quick. Tomorrow and tomorrow and tomorrow. Because this is uh, the first time we see Kirk in Stranger Worlds season two. And once again, this is alternate timeline Kirk, but a little bit closer to the genuine article. So, uh, you know, I'd like to kind of talk about this one here because this episode, again, being very Kirk heavy, it's also got a love story between Kirk and a descendant of who will ultimately be one of his greatest rivals. So it's a pretty dense episode. I'd love to get your take on the story and how you thought fans would react to that. Um, Look, uh, I had, you know, I've been doing this for quite a long time and I can tell when something's going to work. And I just remember reading the script and not being able to put it down. And um, absolutely loving the uh, beautiful arc that existed between Laan and Kirk. Um, I um, I thought it was like a movie. I thought it was like a little mini movie. 
Yeah. And very rarely on an ensemble show, do you get to have this sort of contained episode that is very much a two-hander that has these this beautiful journey. It's a one-hour film. And, you know, when I shot the season one finale of uh, Strange New Worlds, I based my performance very much on Balance of Terror, which is quite a subdued and very serious Kirk. I really wanted to honor the classic episode. And I also knew that I would be doing more episodes in season two. And so I thought, okay, let's hopefully, you know, I'll be able to layer in some of the other sort of characteristics of Kirk and the nuances of his personality. So I was so excited when I read episode three, because it's the polar opposite of the season one finale, which is so serious. And everyone's, you know, people died and Kirk comes in and there's all these stakes. And obviously there are high stakes here. And Kirk does die in the in the, in the final scene. Spoiler alert! But um, there there's a lightheartedness. There's a almost romantic comedy. Um, it felt and what you know what I love about the original series is that every episode is different. And this also just felt like a departure. And I thought it was very TOS. And um, and I just I got to have fun. And as I've said in many interviews, I think Christina Chung, who plays Laan, is brilliant. And I just adore her as a person and as an artist. And so I just had a blast other than freezing my ass off. Yeah, I talked to Christina and she mentioned that as well. She said it was freezing cold and both of you guys were, were dying out there. <laughs> like, just like to stop myself from shivering was was, was a lot of effort. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah. so that's 203, but fast forward to 206, Lost in Translation and Third Time's a Charm. I want to say that this is the real McCoy, but that's a different character. So this is like the first episode where we get like prime timeline Kirk and he's having an adventure with Uhura. So for you, Paul, I mean, now you've got two episodes under your belt as different versions of this character. But here you are now as like the true version of Kirk. How does it feel now to step through those doors and just be who you've been waiting to be since you joined the show? Well, it was my first time to do it, uh, obviously, episode six. And, uh, you know, look, I, I... I very much, you know, for the sake of the Laan storyline um, and for it to be more heartbreaking as well, I didn't want it to be a complete departure from episode three, because if if he has the personality traits of the episode three, Kirk, it makes her go, oh, my God, why doesn't he remember me? Why is why aren't we still in love? Why? Why can't we just snap back and, you know, imagine how heartbreaking that would be if you, you know, you have someone that you you love and then and then you see them. Uh, you know, after they've already died and they have no idea who you are and it's, but it's the same person. And so, okay. So for that relation, for that storyline to work, I didn't want it to be like, you know, some Kirk with some weird accent and, and a whole different, you know, it's like haircut or something. So that's, uh, that's one of the reasons he's somewhat similar. Um, but also I based my episode three performance on very much on how I would want to play Kirk in future episodes he's sort of this you know I yeah there's a there's a there's a sort of um bad boy rogue uh charm but at the same time he's sort of goofy and fun and sort of lovable and and kind of curious and I I sort of just felt you know let's 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 ride this wave because I'm really loving this Kirk I I I like playing this guy you know and so I I want to continue that I like your description of who Kirk is to you. And for what it's worth, I really like your interpretation of Kirk. You know, I will admit I was a little bit unsure about him after Equality of Mercy. And I was like, you know, let's see what happens here. But after 203 and especially 206, I'm 100 percent on board with you. You know, you brought the character really to life. Uh, I'd love to hear your take, though, on like, you know, the fans who are still 
a little unsure about the Paul Wesley Kirk. Do you think that fans are just being overly protective here and kind of letting their bias of what Kirk should be come into play? Well, I just think no one's played Kirk since the 19... Well, obviously, uh, Bill Shatner's played Kirk after the TOS and various films, etc. But no one's really played Kirk other than Bill Shatner um, on television. Um, and in, in, and then obviously you had the J.J. Abrams films, but that was the Kelvin timeline. So you were able to sort of... He did his own take. And, um, you know, I just think uh, as far as just you know, Kirk coming in and, and me, frankly, doing something that's very different and I'm not trying to imitate, I don't know, maybe some people wanted me to do a, a, a bit of a, an imitation and, and I just, you know, chose not to. And um, there's been some very positive response to that. There's been some people that, you know, but I've never done anything where I've appealed to everyone. And I don't think that I can even think of a performance where someone's like, where everyone loves that specific, you know, uh, 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 rendition. And I, I don't really want to do things that, that I, I like to sort of do things a little differently. And I feel like Kirk would do things a little differently and sort of, you know, it's like, I'm going to do it this way. And, and hopefully, uh, People will slowly understand that I'm actually basing this very much on Kirk. I'm not doing this sort of Paul Wesley thing. I'm doing this based on like, you know, the fact that I do think he's sort of this charming uh, what. And at one point he was described as a stack of of books with legs. You know, I want to I want to explore all those facets of Kirk. I don't want him to be just this sort of stereotype of 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 who we think he is i want to explore kirk in so many ways and what's really fun is that there's room to grow into into the tos kirk i don't want him to be tos kirk as lieutenant kirk i want him to be lieutenant kirk who then grows into captain kirk and um yeah as if i have the privilege of playing this character for you know um uh future seasons and 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 future time i will slowly sort of bring out different character traits. And I think uh, that makes it so much more interesting to watch. Yeah, I really like how your take is on this, Kirk. I'm really enjoying seeing you perform this character here. And for me, you know, I really don't want to see you do William Shatner impersonation. So I love that you're doing your own direction with it and it's working. Uh, you know, I, the don't only thing... William, I don't think William Shatner wants to see me doing a William Shatner. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, honestly, the only Shatnerisms I want to see out of Paul Wesley is when you get some fight scenes. I want to see some flying drop kicks and that judo monkey flip of his. So make that happen. Yeah, you got it. You got it. <laughs> So, you know, I know that you're not a captain yet on the Enterprise, but you've sat in a chair a few other times on the Farragut season one. But I'm just curious, you know, has Paul Wesley, the fan, the person, the Star Trek admirer, have you tried out the captain's chair on board the Enterprise yet? Uh, yeah, um, absolutely. Are you kidding? Of course I have. Actually, you see you see in episode three when Laon actually um i don't know if you remember he's actually the captain of the enterprise true i totally forgot that oh my god it's amazing yeah but 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 aside from that uh obviously i I walked on set uh i mean actually it's like the first thing i did even during the balance of terror uh episode i i i uh or sorry a quality of mercy rather i remember like you know I, i was like looking around checking out the sets and i was like is anybody looking? Okay, cool. I'm going to go sit in this chair right here for a minute. <laughs> uh, make myself comfortable. 
That's awesome. Well, I love that you're growing into this role. I can tell you're having fun doing it. And uh, I will say on behalf of the fans who are enjoying Strange New Worlds like myself, I love your version of Kirk. I cannot wait to see what happens next with him. So thank you so much for chatting today, Paul. And you've earned yourself a cookie today. So thank you. Thank you. Appreciate it. Thanks. Trek Untold will return momentarily. Trek Untold is sponsored by Triple Fiction Productions. Celebrating 15 years in business in 2023, TFP creates 3D-printed Star Trek and sci-fi-inspired items that fit into any collection. Whether you're a cosplayer who wants a Starfleet phaser, a Bajoran tricorder, or a Klingon dagger, or a toy collector looking for that special accessory or diorama to make your figures truly stand out, Triple Fiction Productions has exactly what you need. And for you figure fanatics, that includes products that are the perfect size for Galoob, Mego, Playmates, and everything in between. All products are 3D printed in the U.S., with new designs constantly being updated on their website. Repeat customers can sign up for TFP's loyalty program for free, where the more you order, the more discounts you receive. TFP also has a pay-what-you-want section, where clearance or misprinted items are available at a discounted price. Best of all, every product can be shipped worldwide. As a special bonus for listeners of this show, Trek Untold has a special discount code just for you. Enter UNTOLD10 at checkout for 10% off of all orders with no minimum purchase required. That's 10% off using UNTOLD10. To see all of their products, head to triple-fictionproductions.net. Or to stay up to date on their newest products, find them on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Triple Fiction Productions, where something is only impossible until it happens. I'm so excited. I'm so ecstatic to say these words because I wasn't sure when I would again. But Bruce Horak, welcome back to Trek Untold. Thanks, Matthew. Nice to be here again. Nice to see you. It's really great to see you. You know, Bruce, you shocked the fans this week by returning as Hammer in Episode 6, A Strange New World, Season 2, Lost in Translation. We're going to talk all about that, but I want to start this just by saying you you and I did our interview not too long ago, and you were beyond generous with your time and your energy. So, number one, thank you for all of that. Uh, And at the end of that interview, I mentioned how I look forward to meeting you in person at Trek Long Island, which I did. Yes. So, So, secondly, I want to add that if anyone goes to a convention where Bruce is, you need to meet him. You need to get a photo. You need to get a signature. Have a conversation because he's amazing in person just as much as he is. He, he's exactly who you're going to be seeing on this episode today. So, Bruce, you're awesome. Thanks, Matthew. Likewise. Likewise. Well, thank you. That, that is my Bruce Horak endorsement. So for real, folks, definitely meet him at the conventions. Uh, <laughs> but let's get into some strange new worlds because we're discussing okay. season two. Uh, I got to ask you, Bruce, did you know at the end of season one you'd be coming back? I did not know. I did not know. There was some rumors. There was some. Uh, there was some. Certainly, some discussion uh, around the uh, the prosthetics chair of. Uh, well, I you know I seem to fit in the prosthetics, and and that's always a concern with uh, with the actors who have to wear those things is whether or not they're they're comfortable in them, and whether they're going to drive them crazy or whatever. For me, like sitting in the prosthetics was just a, a treat. And so chatting with Chris Bridgers and uh, Shane Zander and uh, Alan Cook uh, about being in prosthetics, I'm like, I'm, I'm loving it. I'm happy to do it. And so they said, that's great. That's a, that's a check mark in the box for, for bringing you back. And uh, when, yeah, they, they said, um, you know, as the show was coming out and I'm like, what can I say? And, and word came down from the the powers that be that I could say the the Star Trek career of Bruce Horak was not over. I did not know what that meant. Um, 
and I, I really had no idea where it was going to go. So when I got to read uh, episode six, I was pretty as wow. I was just thrilled to see a little flashback action with Hammer. I'm hopefully not getting any spoilers away. And uh, what we got to do in the episode, yeah, it was an uh, it was a very welcome surprise. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So it's kind of interesting that you had like some inkling and have an idea that they wanted you to come back, but not necessarily as Hammer, not necessarily doing whatever you're doing. But it's it's really exciting that there were some kind of plans even back then to bring you back because I know fans were incredibly upset when Hammer died. They're still upset, you know, that he died. Um, and I think we talked about this a little bit when we did our first interview. But what do you think made the fans attach themselves so much to Hammer? Like, why would they have gotten so mad over this character that was kind of integral to, unfortunately, to die? Uh, you know, why were they so mad and sad to see him go? Well, I think there was a lot of speculation about, you know, what the what the stories could be with this character. He's, he, you know, the alien characters tend to be the the the, the curious one. There's a lot of mystery there. Uh, you know what got him into Starfleet, and you know what's driving him, and and he's an he's an unusual figure. He's he's an active pacifist. He's um, uh, got te- telepathic powers, and certainly in um, Strange New Worlds, like there aren't a lot of alien characters on in, you know on the crew. We've got Spock, and we've got, uh, with the revelation of Pelia as being uh, oh, I can't remember what her species is called now. Oh no! Oh, the Lathanites. Uh, Thank you. Um, so we've got we've got a couple of those, but you know, every, everyone else is human, and and certainly the the character development there. But so yeah, I think that's that's a part of it, and the relationship with Uhura was was fascinating, and also we got to see, you know, kind of the the crusty mentor figure soften over the course of the first season. So I think there was uh, an attachment there. I certainly got attached to him, but uh, same. Uh, I was more attached to the prosthetics. Boom, boom. Thank you. <laughs> That's why you get paid the big bucks, and I don't. Uh, <laughs> yeah, the thing is, when I was watching this episode too, I was like curious as it was going on, especially in the beginning, because you know when we first see Hammer in this episode, it's not the Hammer we know; it's Zombie Hammer. And yeah. so I was like waiting till the end. And I was like uh, waiting for the credits to make sure that actually was you and not someone else in that. So uh, can we confirm that Zombie Hammer was in fact Bruce Horak? Hundred percent. You betcha. Got to got to wear that, and I think it was actually in like full zombie attire when I got when I uh, showed up and met Carol Kane. So I haven't met her as my actual face yet, so she she won't recognize me. But that was a pretty thrilling day to to meet uh, that absolute legend of a performer, Carol Kane. Yeah, amazing. But uh, yeah, it's funny like working in prosthetics that way and. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I tend to be the, one of the first actors to arrive on set and one of the last to leave. So there's many of the actors that certainly in the first season that hadn't met me out, out of, <laughs> out of my hammer makeup. So like I'll, when I, when I meet Carol Kane for real, I'll, I'll actually introduce myself and she can see my real face. She'll be wondering where your antenna went. That's right. <laughs> Although I think with the, um, with the zombie makeup, I actually had like, they had painted my nose green so that they could add whatever sort of goo and stuff like that. So that was kind of fun looking in the mirror and seeing that horrifying face. It's really good. Uh, they did a really good job. It's pretty terrifying. I hope. <laughs> I mean, did becoming a zombie affect your time sitting in the makeup chair at all? Or was it still kind of about the same? I think it was about the same time. When it, yeah. Yeah. And uh, I think it was only one day that I was in that zombie stuff. So, you know, you are returning to set as a zombie and I'm curious, you know, do you guys film the zombie stuff first? Did you guys actually film chronologically? Uh, we shot, as I recall, we shot the, the flashback stuff first and then we, the zombie stuff was the last. 
Oh yeah, but there was that one day. Oh, you're right, because I had to switch out of zombie for the final scene where I appear on the bridge and uh, as like normal hammer. So they had to they had to flip that on the same day. So I think it was actually ended up being two two or three days of shooting. Prosthetics guys, genius. I mean, they're absolute genius the way they work. And uh, since you were undead hammer first, uh, when you came back to set, did you like prank anybody while you were in that zombie makeup? <laughs> no pranks. Ah. No pranks. Yeah. <laughs> it's pretty gooey. <laughs> I, mean, I mostly stayed away from everyone because I didn't want to have to be, uh, you know, clean up on engineering. That guy. <laughs> have your uh, weird undead goof on all over the place. Now, we mentioned you got to hang out a little bit with Carol Kane. Um, I'm curious also, you know, this is a very much Paul Wesley heavy episode. This is a Captain Kirk and a horror adventure. I shouldn't say Captain Kirk. This is a Kirk and a horror adventure. He's not Captain yet. I'm sorry. Uh, okay. This is a this is a Kirk and a horror adventure here. Uh, did you get to meet Paul Wesley at all in this one? I sure did. Yeah, yeah. I got what do you think him. of him? Lovely guy. Yeah, really lovely. Um, it was nice actually in in this particular season because I think I mentioned this before, but in the first season we were under such heavy COVID protocols that there was a lot of you know keeping each other away from each other and like the, really the lockdowns and everything. So some of those restrictions were a little looser. So we actually got to sit off camera, got to spend some time and hang out and and chat with folks and uh yeah it was lovely uh hammer is very much just i was kind of a day player for those days and and honestly the the cast is always so lovely to people that are just coming in for the day or the two that they're that they're in the episode so it's always yeah it's really nice to do that and uh and you feel i mean that set is just incredibly welcoming and joyous because at that point you know the first season had been had been rocking and uh and the fans are kind of embracing it all. So it feels like, okay, like we're kind of coasting on the, the joy and the accolades that we're coming for that first season. So Hemmer gets to say farewell a second time, kind of sort of in this one, making him one of the only Star Trek characters to get two death scenes, which is a pretty impressive feat right there. Um, you know, I, I feel like the first time Hammer died, like it was very much for the progression of the plot and for Uhura's story. But this time around, Hammer's death, it, it really is for the fans. Uh, what was your take on this, on uh, this, Life and death and second death of Hammer. I think you're absolutely right. I think it's uh it's it's a farewell for the fans and it's um you know, certainly in that grieving process, like when I when I lost my father, there was there was periods of farewells. There was the farewell that I had to him, there was the farewell with uh you know, where the funeral, and then there was like years later where there was these moments of coming across, you know, a letter that he had written or finding a book that he had signed or something like that. And so these moments of you kind of constantly uh, coming to those moments of saying goodbye to somebody over uh, through grief. And I think that this episode in particular, like it's, um, yeah, it's a real, it's a real homage to the grieving process. I think you and I were talking a little bit about this before about, you know, you go through denial and you go through bargaining and you go through, you know, the, whatever the, the Elizabeth Kubler Ross stages of, of dealing with, um, with trauma. And it feels like, yeah, this is a real, um, as a real testament to what somebody has to go through when they've lost someone important to them. And, and what a beautiful moment for, uh, for Uhura and Hammer to actually share through that. Um, yeah, it's, it's lovely. And, and I think that, um, you know, that's the, 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 the beautiful thing about, and what I love so much about science fiction is that they can take these really human elements, these really human stories, put them in space and, and still come back and reflect back to us what it is that we go through. 
uh, as as beings on this planet and this and this temporal existence. And um, yeah, it's a it's a really lovely, powerful moment. And um, yeah, through the through the story that we're telling, we're also connecting to to the fans and the reality that we all share. One of the first things I thought about after I finished watching Lost in Translation was how very much it felt like perfect casting because I thought back to our conversation and we talked about how much of your history is rooted also in you know your cancer story, but also your dad passing, how much of your art as well, your personal art is related to that story. And then here's Hemmer. Here's his character going through the same kind of process that you went through in a lot of ways. It felt very much like a mirror, at least from what I know. But for you, I mean, how personal did this ultimately feel? Oh, it's it's... Yeah, it, it it digs right into um, who I am and, and my own journey. But I think that uh, uh, that grief is a universal thing. I think we all will go through it at some point. Not that it's that's something that I would ever wish on anybody, but that's just a fact of life. And you know, when I see people kind of writing in and saying, "Why does he have to die? Why does he have to die?" It's it's uh, it's just a reality of existence is that everything that lives will pass and. Um, you know, you either you either stay in denial about it, or you eventually get to a point where you you find a way to accept it. And this particular story and this particular connection that Hammer and Uhura have is one of, um, you know, holding on to the the love and the the, the passion and compassion that that beings will share with each other, but also taking that forward into the next step. Um, yeah, really reflected on. Um, the episode four with the, the lotus eaters and how they're going through there's the the one character who, who's just very happy to live in the moment and not have the pain and not hold on to the the, the past and, and kind of live in this period of forgetting and here's this beautiful scene between hammer and, and uhura where it's like no like hold on to the memory because the pain is what makes you who you are and ultimately becomes a propelling force for yourself through life how good did it feel to be reunited, Bruce, with your fellow cast members? I and mean, you got to oh. do some scenes with Celia as well. You got to be back on the ship. I mean, how did it feel to be back a part of the crew again? What a treat. I, it, you know, honestly, it's something that, I mean, every day on that set was just, I was pinching myself and thinking like, I'm on Star Trek, I'm on Star Trek. And then to be brought back in that moment and, and to be back for that episode is just like, it's the best. It's just the best. It's like getting to go, it's like revisiting your favorite place. And uh, yeah, it's it's really something. And um, everyone's just so joyful working on that show and so welcoming. It's yeah, it's it's fantastic. I don't know what I was going to say. It's like a high school reunion, but it's way better than that. <laughs> <laughs> there's no, there's there's no like uh, I don't know the high school reunion. There's this sort of status competition thing, but this is like now welcome back and you're here and yeah, yeah more like family reunion than high school reunion. <laughs> I got to say too, Bruce, you know, I've been really enjoying your cartoons on social media. You know, folks should know by now, if they don't know, uh, you know, you are a painter as well. Uh, mm -hmm. And right now you're doing some fun cartoons with Hammer and Baby Gorn. <laughs> 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 I feel like, you know, number one, you've become like so gracious with the fans and doing stuff like that and being connected and staying connected with the Trekkies. I mean, that's just a really awesome thing of you to do in the first place. But I also think like Hammer has kind of taken on a life of his own within you, hasn't he? Oh, he sure has. And, and honestly, from the very beginning where, you know, we were sitting around on set and, and talking about, because, you know, we're kind of blue skying and dreaming about, well, what about season two and what kind of genres we want to play in? And, you know, everyone was kind of kicking around ideas. And I, I think Celia and I were jamming on, okay, what happens? Like, if you fall, like, how are we going to bring him back? And it's science fiction and all of that. And then I love reading all the fan theories about you know, what happened to Hammer and, and all that. So really drawing the cartoons is just, uh, 
you know, it's a tribute to the fans and, and um, yeah, and, and just the, the delight of drawing that character and thinking about, well, if, if he did give birth to a Gorn, what would that Gorn be like? Because it would be half Enar. So they're, they're already, it's like, and I actually remember I showed one of the first cartoons of Hammer and the Gorn kind of holding hands and looking off into space. And my mom went, oh, I never thought that they could be friends. <laughs> like, right. <laughs> you know, because there's the there's the, the circle of uh, expectation is that, okay, well, maybe Hammer might survive, but then there's the world of possibilities, which is, you know, ultimately it's infinite. And that's what I love so much about playing in the world of uh, science fiction. And then with my, with my drawing, it's like yeah, I can pretty much put them anywhere. So uh, stay tuned for more Hammer at Home. <laughs> yeah, I'm absolutely enjoying those adventures of those two guys together. Uh, so that's Strange New World Season 2. But do you want to come back to play another role in the franchise, Bruce? And if you did, do you want to once again be an alien? Or is it time for Bruce to actually show up on screen? Oh, I love playing aliens. I just love it. Um, yeah, they're, they're they're such a delight. Um, you know, obviously, Hammer's really close to my heart. Yeah, the, the possibilities are infinite. And um, playing those prosthetics is just incredible. I love the transformation that they that they provide. And, um, you know, the, the opportunity to uh, to play somebody else. I mean, that's ultimately why I got into being an actor anyways. I like playing other people. <laughs> All right, so, Bruce, that's our sci-fi fun for this episode here. But what's your summer plans? What are you working on right now and in the near future? And uh, are we going to be seeing you at any cons coming up? Well, I've got, um, I'm off to Volcon, but that's at the end of July. And I think probably before episode six airs. And then I'm off to Trek Las Vegas, Star Trek STLV. I'll be there at the beginning of August. And then I go from there to Vancouver, British Columbia for five weeks to perform in Goblin Macbeth, which is a show that uh, created with Rebecca North End. And that's the, the premise is that three goblins. Uh, find the complete works of William Shakespeare and decide to do Macbeth because it's the shortest and the bloodiest. And uh, we wear these really like Hollywood grade um, goblin masks and they're, they're pretty fantastic. So we're running that in Vancouver until middle of September. And then uh, we're at the Stratford festival uh, in October running goblin Macbeth, which is, uh, yeah, it's a good time. Very irreverent, very, very fun. So yeah, I'll be there until uh, end of October. Very cool. Any chance Goblin Macbeth can start touring the States? Because I think that would do amazingly here. Absolutely. Well, it's, you know, it's, uh, we, we had two runs of the show in Calgary where we, we premiered it. And, uh, you know, it's just going like gangbusters. People are, uh, are all over it. So, um, yeah, we're very open to touring it. The, the dream is that we'll, uh, we're going to do for Shakespeare what the Blue Man Group did for percussion. <laughs> I love that 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 parallel. That actually makes perfect sense. <laughs> so I urge everybody to check out Goblin Macbeth if you can, but I especially urge everybody to go to Star Trek Las Vegas and meet Bruce in person, get a picture, get an autograph, have a conversation, because Bruce is the man. Uh, and, you know, thank you again so much, Bruce, for being willing to chat with us one more time about the return of Hammer. And I hope this as well is not the last time that we see you on Trek Untold. I hope that the future continues to expand for Bruce Horak, and whether it's Hammer or someone all new, uh, I want to see more of him. So... Thank you so much, Bruce. Thanks, Matt. Keep watching. <laughs> That's it for this week's episode of Trek Untold and our Strange New Worlds debriefing. Thank you so much for checking this out. I'd love to hear what you think about this and what you think about this format. I'd love to do more reviews like this. So if you guys are liking this, let me know. And the best way to do that is to hit me up on social media and, of course, also to follow me there, too. And that's 
at Instagram, at Twitter, Facebook, and yes, even TikTok, all at Trek Untold. If you're watching this on YouTube too, don't forget to leave a comment and a thumbs up on this video. And hey, don't forget to subscribe either. And that's youtube.com slash at Trek Untold. If you'd like to support this podcast, go ahead and visit patreon.com slash Trek Untold. And you can see some of the different ways that you can support this very show. I'm Matthew Kaplowitz. This has been Trek Untold. We'll see you next time. And as always, fortune favors the bold. Trek Untold is sponsored by treksphere.com. Promoting fan-produced Star Trek content in all forms is powered by the RageWorks Podcasting Network and is affiliated with Nerd News Today.